Theology Podcast. My name is Scott Johnson. Now, I'm not a trained theologian, nor do I have degrees in theology or even the Bible. I'm just a regular guy who loves and follows God, but kind of wanted to know if there was more to what I was experiencing in the whole world of church. This podcast is the collection of a journey to dig much deeper into the realm of faith. And rheology itself is kind of like the study of the do-over, and it's founded on the philosophy and principle of stopping and thinking, especially when it comes to what I know about God, Jesus, and ultimately what all of this has to do with me. A few days ago, I released a new mini-talk video on YouTube where I discussed the idea that death is not natural. Now, we have it told to us in our world and culture that Death is pretty much a natural part of life, just like birth. But unfortunately, that's just not true. Although death is a part of the life we now live, it was definitely not part of the original blueprint for humans when God created us. Death only became a part of our world as a result of human failure, which separated us from God and from this blueprint. And you might say that death was an unfortunate and nasty byproduct of failure, which is what we call sin. Not only came sin into our world, but along with it came loss and grief and sorrow and shame and guilt, all part of a big package and a quite honestly a horrible package, if we're honest here. In the video, and I'll put a link to the video in the description of this episode, But in the video, I share the fact that I just recently lost my mom to cardiac arrest. It was very, very sudden and very, very unexpected. I've now lost both of my parents, and I kind of stand alone at the top of the generation totem pole. Those guys are no longer here. My parents are no longer here. I don't have access to them anymore. There are no more conversations, no more Thanksgivings, no more Christmases, birthdays. Nothing, which honestly leaves me with a very, very weird feeling and also in a very weird stage of life. Along with some of my very closest friends, I have and I am still experiencing this very weird stage, dealing with the loss of loved ones and specifically in this situation, my parents. For This episode, I wanted to share a conversation that I had with one of my very good friends who is in the same boat as me. Dwayne Curry is a minister or pastor of Woodlawn Christian Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he's been in full-time ministry for like over 25 years. Dwayne lost his dad last year to cancer, who was my minister of my hometown church as a teenager. So Dwayne and I grew up together, kind of, and We went to the same college together. We've been very, very close friends for a long time. And I wanted to have this conversation with him to help share the feelings and thoughts from someone who has been around people in mourning as a a minister for a long time and who has also experienced his own sense of loss and mourning. So this is the conversation that we had. Um, Dwayne, first and foremost, right off the bat here, would you be willing to kind of talk about your dad and like how he died and and what led up to that? Sure. Um, 
you know, with me and my dad, of course, we, I, I've had a, ver- a very good relationship with my dad um, over the years. Different, you know, different people have different kinds of relationships um, with their dad. Of course, all that plays into your uh, loss and grief as well. But, you know, for me, my dad was always my hero. My dad, um, you know, growing up, um, he, he was able to, um, well, he taught me. A love for sports and he even got to coach me a few times uh, growing up and all those kind of things and he was the kind of dad that you, you could look up to and of course he was a preacher and he was a preacher that practiced what he preached so there was no hypocrisy or anything that would drive you to question your faith or, or anything like that or question him and his integrity so just love my dad mm-hmm. and uh, i got the opportunity to work with him uh, you know, I went into ministry uh, as well. So I was his youth minister um, for almost a decade and got to work directly with him. So I, I gained not, you know, I gained Which a whole pretty new rare. relationship. It's pretty rare. It is. Yeah. I mean, some guys go into the family business, right? And they work yeah, with right. their fathers and right. whatnot. And uh, I think between me and Danny, I'm probably the one that whatever business dad was in, I could probably have gone into the family business and, uh, and it had been fine. And dad and I could have worked well together but yeah you know you have a, a good relationship as a kid but then it's a whole different relationship when you're an adult and uh so i learned a whole new side of my dad and had a whole different relationship it was a working relationship and it was a friendship and it was a mentoring and it was all of that yeah and it was my dad and so uh, that made my loss even more and even harder but um but also there wasn't I mean, I guess we'll we can talk about this more in a minute, but it's like part of what goes into grief is maybe some things that are unresolved. Right. And yep. left unsaid. Yep. I didn't have a lot of that. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of that. We we said about everything, you mm-hmm. know, to each other over the years. So I but I had that opportunity. My siblings didn't have mm-hmm. have that opportunity. So I'm sure our grief looked, you know, looked a little different. But anyway, long story short, great relationship with my dad. And so just made it hard to lose him at 74, um, 74, almost 75 when he passed away a year ago, May. And, um, you know, he, he, he got stomach cancer is what, and that, that cancer, um, affected spread and affected his liver. And he actually ended up dying of liver failure technically. Okay. And, um, and all that comes with that. But, um, you know, that was hard. It was just hard to watch. He, he, he went into, uh, he did, a uh, did around a chemo, but chemo was terrible and about killed him. And then right. just itself. And then he did, uh, immunotherapy mm-hmm. and did several months of that and actually rebounded, seemed to feel better. You know, he, they didn't cure him or anything or send it into remission, but it did seem to have an effect. And so he had several good months um leading into the spring of um of 21 mm-hmm. and even went back to work he had uh, he had retired from ministry several years ago he started working at chick-fil-a because he loved just to be around people and people loved him yeah and so he even went back to work and and um did that for a couple months and then just kind of his body fell off the cliff because his liver was being affected he started getting jaundice, you know, and mm-hmm. you're not cleaning out the, your body's not getting rid of the toxins and all that. And yeah. 
and then he stopped eating. And so that last month was just really hard. And, uh, and of course my mom had to bear the brunt of all that. But for me, um, I'm close. I live near my mom and dad and my, my sister's about 45 minutes away. My brother's several hours away mm-hmm. and they, they came, they took turns. We all took turns kind of helping with dad. Um, but I, right after when people were talking about, you know, talking about it, trying to be helpful and, and all that. I mean, one thing I would tell them is like, it, it's, it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. Yeah. Um, just because it was so incredibly hard and painful to watch him die. Yeah. To literally waste away. Yeah. Um, to kind of a skeleton of who he was um, physically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are not the images I want to remember. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, all the things that go into helping give care to someone who's passing, you know, he was in hospice care at home. So we were giving him, you know, the care and just trying to relieve his pain. And he was in considerable pain, um, towards the end. All that just is hard, you know, just emotionally wrenching, yeah, yeah. uh, physically tiring because it's 24 hour care towards the end. And so just physically, emotionally, spiritually tired, just exhausted. Um, yet a blessing in the sense of I got a chance to help him transition from this life to the next, you know, mm-hmm. to to leave this world and enter the arms of Jesus. Um, I got to be a part of that. And so there was something uh, wonderful and tra- transcendent about that. At the same time, something terrible and traumatic um, about it as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and still is what it is, right? It's not. Yeah. And so you have all those memories. So there's all the good memories and all the traumatic memories, you know, and all the bad with the good. Um, But you had uh, a lifetime of good, you know, with my dad, with this just heart wrenching end. Yeah. Um, And so all of that plays into kind of how I grieved and how well I am still, um, still grieving, but sure. But, yeah, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, and it was one of the most transcendent things I've ever ever been involved in. Yeah, you know your your experience with your dad's loss um, is different from mine. You know, both my and you know this, both my parents died. I mean, literally, almost exactly the same way. Um, yeah, they have this massive cardiac episode which I know in my mom's case, we don't know about what my stepdad, Bob, uh, they just called it a cardiac episode, you know, which, um, you're like, okay, well, <laughs> what does that mean? You know? Um, but with my mom, it was definitely cardiac arrest where it's just like the heart just stops, you know, and there's, there's, it just stops. And, um, so it's not a, I think I would guess a lot of people would say, Hey, if I, you know, and my, and my stepdad, Bob did say this to me, he would say, you know, when I go, I just want to, I want to have something, you know, a heart, massive heart attack. And I'm just here one second and gone, you know, whereas your dad, when was he diagnosed with stomach cancer a year before? Yeah. So it was, uh, the spring of 2020. Okay. So you had a year kind of waiting for this to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So that's, it's, um, I mean, you're right. Death, it's, it's hard no matter what, but, um, 
the agony of watching that play out, you know, especially the last month, like you said, I can only imagine just how, um, just like you said, you, you have a mental picture. And when I saw your dad, you know, when he was after his treatments and stuff and he was working at Chick-fil-A and he, I thought he looked pretty darn good, you know, at that point. Yeah. And he yeah. still looked exactly, you know, he's a grayer version, you know, of what I remember right. growing up in high school, right. but he still, you know, looked pretty much like, you know, Phil, you know, so, um, but just the idea of, of seeing that, you know, you know, just, you know, erode basically, I'm, I'm sure is awful. Um, yeah, well, and the other, you know, there's, there's good and there's bad. There's a blessing. And then there's, there's the negative, there's the curse to, um, someone who goes quickly for them. It's great. Right. For because them, that's how right. we all, we all want to go quick. You know, right. none of us want exactly. to suffer. If we're going to go, let's go quick, but it leaves everybody else hanging because it was so quick and yeah. you didn't get a chance to say goodbye. And like, you yeah. didn't know what was coming and all that. Yeah. So in that sense, our year, and then even when he started going downhill, we knew it was the end. Like we could talk to him. We, we could interact. We could say goodbye and, and all that. Sorry. But yeah, you know, and that's good, like hard, uh, but, but like good. Cause yeah. You got to say goodbye. You got to say those things. You knew what was happening. He got right. to say, you got to see him face mm-hmm. his end. Like he mm-hmm. knew this is it. Mm-hmm. And he did it with such grace yeah. and still humor. <laughs> he was, right. Right. Yeah. He, he was still funny yeah. you know, towards the end. And yeah. um, I even, he was halfway funny, halfway serious. When you'd say, dad, what do you need? What can I do for you? What do you need? And he said, just to die. Because <laughs> um, oh, he was ready. Yeah. And, and, and we knew it. So there's, there's, there's good and bad. It's mixed, you know, yeah. because sometimes you get a chance to say goodbye. Sometimes you don't. Right. Um, and so that was hard, really hard on him. He suffered towards the end. Mm-hmm. And yet in a sense, good for us, we got to say goodbye yeah. and say everything we wanted to say. So right. it's just mixed. It It is. It's not, it's like, um, you, you can't trade grief from grief. I mean, it, it's, it is grief no matter what it's loss. Um, no matter what, let me ask you this, um, you know, in the video that I shared with you and stuff, I talk about how there's those like impulse moments and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but the question, and you know, the question, cause you, you're, you've seen it, but the question isn't, you know, did you experience those moments of like, Hey, let me text dad real quick. Oh, uh, wow. You know, the question isn't, did, did you have those? It's not that the question is, do you, you know, do you still have those? We're a year and a half out from your dad's death. Do you still have those moments where like those synapses, you know, of like, Hey, let me text or, or the phone rings and you're like, Oh, there's dad. Or maybe I should call. Do you still have those? Yeah. You know, and I've heard people have them for decades. You're like, yeah. you know, sometimes you just did, you always will because it was such a big part of your life. And yes. I, I, I do, um, you know, early on, it's so, um, the reality of it is still right there. So thick mm-hmm. that you don't have those moments mm-hmm. right after, but then after a while and you're back in your daily routine and life is just kind of clicking along as normal. And then you have those moments like, Oh yeah, yeah. it's gone. 
Yeah. Um, mine, a lot of them centers around things I think he would have found funny right. or <laughs> uh, politics. It's like um, conversations I know we would have had and especially sports. And so, mm-hmm. you know, watching something happen on, on TV and it's, it's that kind of moment I would have texted him immediately. Yeah. Or called him immediately because of what just happened. And, and of course, in our favorite teams, whether it's the Kentucky Wildcats um, and and especially basketball or the Dodgers. Dad was a big Dodgers fan. Mm-hmm. And so things would happen and, and it'd be one of those things we would talk about. And now I don't. It's like. So it's gone. It's gone. I don't have yeah. that conversation. Yeah. And so it, it just brings it back uh-huh. that he that he is gone right um you know i found myself i i I know i'm i'm healing from the grief Mm -hmm. uh, because i cry less right and Mm -hmm. um but those moments um and i don't necessarily even cry in those moments it's just um yeah the reality sits in again yeah um kind of a thing yeah yeah i you know uh and you know this like you know when bob my parents separated and divorced and he came, I was on him for like months to come down here and spend time with me. Um, and, uh, he like called me up, said, Hey, I want to come down. I'm like, cool. And he says, uh, yeah, I want to come down, um, next week. I'm like, okay. And like, he picked like, you know, he's going to be in on like, um, Monday through like Thursday. And I'm like, well, you know, kids go to school. Um, Robin goes to work. I work out of the house, but she goes to work. It's like, I was, you know, my thought was like, would, wouldn't it be better to come during the weekend? So like, you know, everybody's available. Like during the day, no one is available. It was just he and me. But, you know, we, we watched a couple of old IU games. We, he helped me clear brush in the backyard. He washed all of our windows, which is something he did all the time. And, um, you know, I, I found it odd at the time. But I also, but when he, when he left to go home, uh, he went to his, his daughter's house in Tennessee in Nashville and before he went all, on back to Indiana. But at that point I was like, wow, that's great. I got like this special time with him. It was just, it, cause it was, I mean, 90% of the time it was just the two of us, you yeah. know? Um, and so, you know, he, he, and he, and after he left our house, you know, it was like five days later, he, he passed away. and. Well, I, I kind of felt like that same kind of thing like you had with your dad that I, I got to actually have closure in a weird way. It was like a reverse, you know, like yeah, re- you didn't know it was at the time. I had no clue. Yeah. I didn't know it was, it was closure at the time. Um, but I think of him a lot with, like you said, IU, IU basketball. We, I mean, we talked or, or texted after every game. So that's, that's gone. Um, with my mom, you know, I, I call my mom every Saturday. And so Saturdays, I just can't imagine. That was why I wanted to ask you that. I was like, I just can't imagine not having that feeling. It's Saturday. I need to call my mom. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. So in the psychological world, there are, there are the five standard stages of grief. Um, there's, these are the stages that we can find ourselves working through in an attempt to process change and adapt to it. any kind of change. Actually they talk about, but right. specifically here it's, we're talking about loss. So those are denial, which is avoidance, distracted, shock, numbness, confusion, anger, 
which is irritability, frustration, resentment, rage, bargaining, which can come out in ruminating over the you know future slash past stuff, guilt, shame, blame, depression, which is sleep appetite changes, disinterest, sadness, crying, despair, helplessness, overwhelmed, feeling of overwhelmed. And then acceptance is the fifth one, which is being present in the moment, adapting, coping, validation, self-comparison, and pride. I mean, a lot of these really hit home for me. Um, do any of these where you're at right now, a year and a half away, specifically strike a chord with you when talking about dealing with the loss of your dad? Yeah, well, I, I definitely think I'm getting on the further end towards acceptance. Um, but definitely early on, I experienced all these in different ways. Um, and, and probably just kind of who I am, my personality is the reason they were going to come out this way. But, um, and, and I, I think sometimes we think, oh, you process through these one at a time. You first go through denial, then you go through anger, then you go through, right. And, and what I found was I would backtrack and I would experience one then another, and then, you know, you'd back up and experience it again. And so like with me, I don't know, um, whether it was denial or bargaining, but for a long, long time, and even still some nights, uh, my, my problem, I, w- I didn't sleep well, which is probably part of depression, but I, I, I had trouble sleeping for a long time and, mm-hmm. and it would just, I would play over and over in my mind. Um, um, just the fact that he was gone or right. his, um, uh, just memories uh, of him or, or backtracking through, uh, the cancer and the what ifs, um, or if, you know, what if we'd have done this or done that or whatever. Right. Um, and, and that may be part of the idea of bargaining, but I, I just would play that stuff over and over in my head and then, and then not sleep very well. But I don't know, there wasn't a lot of denial, maybe up front when he first got diagnosed, but you lived with that with, you know, for a year and then you help him die. There's no denying what right, happened. Right, 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 yeah. It's and not shock because... There's no, yeah, it doesn't happen all at once. But you do feel kind of numb, you know, sure. and you do, you are confused about what's going on, why it's going on. Yeah. Or even what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to say? Right. And all those things. Um, I wasn't mad. Um, but I did find myself being frustrated and irritable. Um, part of that may have been lack of sleep, but you know, I wasn't exactly, I wasn't terrible to people in my life, but I wasn't great uh, either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't mad at God. I relied on God to get through, but I do realize here almost a year, a little over a year later that there, I prayed to God, I relied on God and all that. And yet there were, I went for a long period of time was like i refused i didn't know i was doing this but i refused to have my quiet time with god in the morning Hmm. i I just didn't want to hang out with him you know and i think i think that was anger i think that was subtle anger at god and i didn't know i was angry right i'm just avoiding um kind of a thing and and those were the biggest ones for me i think a long term like depression I, i do think i was I was depressed, you know, you're just sad. You're not yourself. You're all those things. But, you know, that's kind of dad, dad passed in 21. He was diagnosed in, I think, April, March, April of 20. And we had already been through a pretty rough year 
for for me in ministry, nine, 2019 was was fairly rough with different things going on, to the point that we got to the start of 2020, and I said, I, I literally prayed, Lord, I can't handle anything else right now. That was January, February, COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. March, everything shuts down. Right. And then Dad is diagnosed with cancer, and it was like, okay. I guess I'm supposed to handle a few more things. Right. And, um, and so I, I was uh, struggling already and then all that. Yeah. And so my grief took me, you know, even deeper into kind of a bad place, just, just depression. Isolation for me was a big thing. I just kind of isolated myself. Yeah. And insulated myself. I I thought I was dealing with it well and Mm -hmm. talking about it and whatever. I I thought Tia and I walked through it well together. She told me this probably just been a few weeks ago um, because she heard me processing uh, with with somebody else about grief. And and she said, you know, she said, I I don't I didn't get to grieve with you. I don't know how you felt. I don't know how you went through it. And I Hmm. thought I did. But I didn't. She hadn't, you know, we right. didn't process it together. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't all that open. I kind of just kept it all in. And so, which wasn't, which wasn't good. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I think for me, uh, you know, the biggest thing with, with, since, uh, you know, I'll talk about my mom mainly because it just happened a couple of months ago, but, um, obviously the shock was, I mean, you know, I mean, I can definitely say that the denial thing for me was very, very real, um, very real. And even, I think still, even now people, cause people, you know, obviously they ask, you know, how are you, how are you doing, man? How are you doing? You know, and, and that's great. Um, but the, I, I feel like it's like a, you know, I'm just like a recording and I'm saying the same thing over and over and over cause I'm still, I'm, I'm lesser in shock, but I'm still, still, you know, in shock that, you know, my mom lived all the way across the country in Arizona and I didn't, I did not get to say goodbye. Um, she had texted me that day. I did not get to reply to her text. And so, you know, there's a shock of that. And, and then also the, you know, kind of beating myself up a little bit, you know, about, um, and maybe that's the anger part, maybe angry with me. Um, you know, it, you know, it's stupid, right? It takes five seconds to reply to someone in a text. That's stupid. That's stupid. I couldn't take five seconds to do that. That's, that's, that's dumb. That's dumb. Um, I had a lot of that, but still, I still think the, uh, the shock thing is still a part of, um, what I'm dealing with. And also just, um, kind of like what you said, like you, you were able, you had a year to at the very least say, Hey, let's, let's, if we're not good, let's get good you know, right. and my relationship with my mom was not great. I, I literally, what, a week before shared that with you guys at our little retreat, you know, that yeah. things were not great. And I just was really frustrated with the decisions she had made. And, um, so I'm still reeling from that of not being able to, there, there are no more conversations to be had. Right. Um, but Robin did say like, well, you know, it's not like you didn't try. You you did. Yeah, you, you actually had lots of conversations with your mom. She just didn't really listen. So, you know, so that was that was good. Um, let me ask you this. Um, this is 
this is probably the one thing when people ask me how you're doing, this is probably the one thing that is hardest for me. Um, now that I have, um, both my parents gone and I kind of said at the beginning of in the intro that, you know, I'm at the top of the generation totem pole right now. There's nobody above me. And that is a freaky, yeah, yeah. <laughs> freaky feeling. Um, I know you still have your mom, but your dad, as you said, he was the hero of your family. He, you're, and you're, you're absolutely right. He was a preacher that actually practiced what he preached. Um, do you feel that? Do you feel that like that, that strong, massive amount of responsibility of this, this torch being, you know, that's coming, but you know, it's like, you're never really, you know, obviously you're never ready yeah. for it, but do you feel that? Do you feel this like huge responsibility? I, I do. I mean, I think it's for multiple reasons. Cause you know, you, you kind of drift into new seasons of life and those seasons are different and, and whatever. And so like same year, um, you know, just before I lose my dad, I become a grandpa. Right. Right. And, um, and that's new. That's different. That's like, what? This is weird. Um, cause you're still a young still, buck. Yeah. You still see yourselves as the kids, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you're not young. You still got kids of your own, but you're right, still right. the young generation. Yeah, and absolutely. Then your parents' generation and the older generation and whatever. And it's like, wait, wait, we're like, we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like with me, so I still have my mom, but now my relationship with my mom, at least in our, the ways we function are changing in that now I'm more of a caregiver. Yeah. Um, and whereas, you know, she used to be our caregiver and then our relationship was more, um, you know, they took care of themselves. We took care of ourselves and our kids and whatever, but we, you know, still, and your mom's always your mom. So she's always kind of still looking out for you. But, but now it's like, now she need like, I have to do certain things cause she can't do them mm-hmm. and I'm becoming the caregiver. Yep. Um, in a lot of ways. And it's almost like the relationships shifting, not that she's a child, but, I have more of a parental role with her yeah, yeah. now right. too. Yeah. Um, and it's just so strange and yeah. so weird. Um, and of course we will go through all those things in different ways, but it is the seasons of life that you go. Uh, I knew it was coming, but it's weird when you get there and, and it's quick and it, and it happens in a hurry. Like, you yeah. know, people, it's something that us old people say, you know, right. <laughs> people always told you how quick life goes <laughs> and you just kind of roll your eyes and yeah. then you're there and you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I yeah. Do. yeah. And now, and now the young people roll their eyes at, at me and you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, a big question for me and, and, you know, you've seen this question, but I don't know the answer. Um, you know, you're, first of all, how long have you been in full-time ministry? trying to guess i, I did want to really so it's 29 years <laughs> okay 29 in the intro i said at least 25 but um yeah. that wow okay so you've had 29 years of full-time ministry um and as most people probably just already you know guess at or imagine you know it's like preachers typically are the ones that do the weddings they they, they preach sermons they do the weddings they do the funerals blah 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 but that is a big part of what a minister does is, is trying to help console people through life. And obviously death is a, a part of that. You know, how has that been different for you? You know, having all that, all that time 
of experience helping people through their stuff. And then all of a sudden now, now you're, now you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Well, and of course, as you go through your early years in ministry, like I was a youth minister for a lot of years, so you're mm-hmm. not dealing with a lot of, a lot of death and doing a lot of the funerals. And right, so, right. I mean, it, it's still there, still around you. You may yep. participate in some way, but it's, it, you know, it's not on your shoulders to really help people. Right. Grieve unless, you know, something happens in their, in their youth group. But so I've had not, tw- I, you know, not necessarily 29 years of experience with, with grief is certainly over the last several, in the last decade or, or so done so much more. <laughs> you know, when you go through it yourself, um, I mean, I, I've always had a heart for people, compassionate, trying to help them through grief. I think, honestly, I've done a decent job. But you look back and go, wow, yeah, I could have done so much better because I know that's not helpful. Okay. <laughs> I know <laughs> right, now right, yeah. that that's not helpful at all. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work for me. It did not work. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do that, you know, next yeah. time. So. Yeah. The, Although I think most people give you a pass for all those cliches and things that you say that's trying to be helpful, you know, they're in a better place and right. you know, all those kind of things. We know where they are and whatever. You know, those are true. Right. Um, just not very pastoral in the moment. Yeah. And um and you know, people said all those kind of things to me too. And I didn't get upset. I'm not offended by it. It's like it is true, you're right. And you're sure. trying to be helpful. So I hear right, your heart. Right. Yeah kind yep. of thing. But a lot of that's not really helpful. And 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 the other thing is you can try to identify with people's grief, but everybody grieves differently. Everybody's loss is different. Everybody's relationship is different. So it's not, yep. not really helpful to tell someone, I know exactly how you feel. Because mm-hmm. you don't know exactly how yeah. you feel. And the first thing that pops in their mind is, no, you don't. Right. And but but to say that you understand. Yeah. Um and and kind of as they talk to go, I understand what you're saying and I hear what you're saying or repeat what they're saying. And just uh, most people, if you can need to talk and if you can get them to talk through and vent and just release some of that, they just want to be heard. And that's the main thing. So the, the thing I walk away with is most people just want to be heard um, about what they're feeling, what they're going through and just be um, validated that that's okay. Like, this is normal. This mm-hmm. is, this is okay to feel this way. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, yeah. as you're grieving, grief is normal and your feelings are normal and all those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, without, um, you know, without kind of mitigating what they're going through or trying to help them along, you know, to get over it, you know, that's one of the, 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 the myths is you can just get over it. If you, if you just ignore it or if you just give it enough time or if you, mm-hmm. uh, right. If, yeah. if you, um, just determine you're going to grieve, you're going to be strong. You're just going to be strong for everybody. Kind yeah. of thing. It's like, well, you're not going through it then you're just going around it, which means it's just still there. Yep. And so you got to go through it. It's no fun. You feel how you feel. Most people are like, I just want to feel better again. And so you kind of pretend your way to, to being better. It's like, no, you're just going to have to go through this. Yeah. The only way better is through it, uh, which means you're going to have to feel bad for a while. And um, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned just experiencing it myself to go, you know what? I, I'm going to have to be better at helping people um, as they go through, as they go through this stuff too. Most of us just want to stuff it. You know, most of us, let's get busy. 
I can stay busy. I won't think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that just means you're putting it off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's still out there. Yeah. It's yeah, definitely still a, in a form you. of denial there for sure. You know, it, yeah. Yeah. I can just stay busy enough or whatever. I know that for me, uh, I have experienced a couple of, uh, like you had said about in youth ministry, you know, cause I was in youth ministry for a long time as well. You know that, but, um, you don't, you, you definitely don't deal with it on a daily basis by any means or weekly basis, a monthly basis or annual basis. Most of the time, but when it does happen, it's pretty, it, it can be pretty big and whatever, but I have a friend of mine and I talk about it a lot. And I said that I, when I was in Indianapolis area, uh, we had a girl in the youth group. She was eight, uh, eighth grade. And her dad had committed suicide. He'd ki- he had killed himself mm. with, shot himself with a gun, wrote a letter and did it right before you know, he was going to work or whatever. And, uh, you know, obviously everybody was blown away and devastated. And they called yeah. me and said, yeah. Hey, you know, she's asking for you. And, um, you know, if I hadn't gone through a couple of years earlier, an actual death of one of our kids, I, I probably would have done exactly what you said. You know, I would have went over there and tried to say a bunch of stuff. But I went over to this, this girl's house. Her mom and her grandma were there. And she's sitting on the couch. I went over to her on the couch. I put my arm around her. She put her head on my shoulder. And she just cried on my shoulder for an hour. Yeah. I didn't say a word. Yeah. And I mean, you know, of course you're thinking to yourself, well, what would you say? You know, I mean. Yeah. Th- there's nothing to say. Um, no, but she will always remember your presence. Yeah. Right. You didn't even need to say anything. Nope. Yep. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the whole video thing I I shared with you, the idea of like, you know, death is not natural and that's why it's so weird and that's why it hurts so bad. And that's why it's so strange. And that's why we have a, that's why there's five stages to grief. (laughs) You know, it's, um, it ain't easy. You know, it's definitely not easy and um, it is something we all experience and hopefully we can, you know, learn from our own experiences and like you said, to be able to somehow be there for somebody else as they go through it. Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, some of the things that we – can say that could come off as cliche you know that he's in a better place and all those kind of yeah you know it when we're the ones thinking it uh because we believe it and not because just someone's saying to us to be nice um it does make a difference because you're like i truly believe this life is not the end this isn't all there is and that helps you through and then even being mad at God or those kind of things. It's like God, God is working towards an end and he is going to make things right. In fact, he is making things right. Um, helps me to trust him more and go, I know this is, this life's rough and our exit can be really rough, but this ain't it. And we're not home and we're waiting to be home. And, you know, all those things are a powerful, powerful healing. Um, thing uh when when we truly believe it and it's not just words you know well that was the end of our conversation and i definitely want to thank my good friend Dwayne for his time and for his willingness to share and it's not easy to talk about things like this and it's definitely not easy to put yourself kind of out there you know to be willing to be vulnerable and transparent to people that you don't even know so i'm super grateful 
I hope that this quick conversation can be an encouragement to you or anyone who currently finds themselves in this very, very strange and very, very weird situation of dealing with loss. But just know that it isn't the end of the story, like Dwayne said. It might feel that way. There's just for sure it's probably going to feel that way, but it's not. And while we wait for the rest of the story to unfold, trying to process stuff like this while we live, I hope that you can be encouraged that God understands. He totally gets it. And he's waiting to hug you through the pain and honestly to hold your hand as you walk on. If you're interested in continuing this conversation and many others, there's an online community that I'm a part of of people who are looking to encourage one another, pray for one another, love one another through everything that life brings. You can simply go to the Reology website, which is reologylife.com, and at the top you can click Messiah People, and that'll let you know some more information. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.